welcome back to episode 56 of the Backpack. Can you believe that? 56. 56. That's insane. Uh, episode 56 of the Backfillers podcast. So first and foremost, a little formality we need to get out of the way. Uh, Combat Comeover is the sponsor for this episode. So you guys know I've been using Combat Comeover for, I want to say, closer to two years now. Um, I always say it's really good for people in the military because when you're wearing like your PC all day or your drill hat or whatever you're wearing, uh, your hair gets messed up because you're either outside sweating or, you know, just whatever. So combat comeover has really helped me with that. Uh, they have all sorts of crazy scents. Like I married a stripper, a disgruntled NCO. And then you guys have a discount code. Don't forget for 10% off of your entire order. And the discount code is salty in all caps. Good friend of mine. He's been running it for a while and he's doing really well for himself. So uh, anyways, check that out. I am here with, this is this sounds so weird to say, Warren Officer Davis. <laughs> so uh, this is a good friend of mine that I've known for a while now. You guys may have known that we've done an episode. How Dude, long ago was that? I, You know what's funny is I just looked it up. Um, it was episode, I think episode nine or ten. No. Dude, it was like a year and a half ago. Oh my god, it does not feel like that long ago. It doesn't at all. I was like, I swear, we just did one. No, dude. It's <laughs> yeah, I thought the same like thing. 46 episodes ago. Jeez. That yeah. episode, uh, that was actually one of my most popular episodes because we did that, um, well, it was, really, it was a long time ago, apparently. I thought it was like six months ago, but <laughs> yeah, we did, uh, oh, we did uh, Responsibility Shadow Suffering. That's yeah. what we did. And that was when, oh my God. So that was when you were still a drill. And that was when I haven't even become, I wasn't even a drill yet. I think I was, I think I was like maybe a year away still. Yeah. You were still, I think you, uh, I don't know if you just got to your unit, but we were, I know we were, we were talking heavily about like the, the academy and like what yeah. to expect, uh, pros and cons, you know, things you should do, things you shouldn't do, blah, blah, blah. And now it's like, Holy crap, dude. Like Forrest got his hat. You know, mm. I'm not even an NCO anymore. Like that's weird. Ooh, it's, it's like time just snap and you're like, oh crap, mm -hmm. I'm here. <laughs> like, what the heck? Yeah. Last time last time I was talking to you in that episode, we I, I, we were just talking about what to expect from the academy. At that time, when I was talking about going to the drill academy, it kind of felt like a dream. Like I, I thought it wasn't gonna happen. Cause you know, in the reserves, you have to wait uh, so long to go to the academy. It took me, I think like a year and three months, probably about there, maybe even longer to get to the academy. So when we were doing that episode, it just felt like something, it didn't feel authentic until I actually got there. But, um, all right, so yeah, lots happened since then. For those of you guys who uh, didn't hear in the first 30 seconds, uh, he is now Warrant Officer Davis, so congrats, man. That must feel... You got to tell me about what it felt like to put on that bar for the first time. <laughs> first, first of all, thank you, man. Um, mm. Honestly, like, I've been itching to get back on a podcast with you because I mm. had such a good time last time, and um, I've been trying to create some content on my own lately, so I'm like, you know what, dude, I got to get back with, with Forrest and hit him mm -hmm. up. And, um, but dude, so literally like one day, like you're an NCO, then all of a sudden you're a candidate. And then it's like you graduate, you slap rank on. It's like you're, you're an officer now, like go off mm -hmm. and do great things. Like literally, I remember walking around and I'm like, dude, I'm an officer. This is weird. Yeah. <laughs> People. So I got. I got, I did my first salute. My buddy grew great friend of mine. Um, Sergeant first class favela. Mm -hmm. He was actually, uh, one of my, um, leadership in when we were in Afghanistan together, I've known him for years. He flew down from Vegas. Oh, wow. uh, like on a two week notice. I'm like, yo, we have a group chat together. Like the guys I deployed with, I mean, yo, I graduate in like two weeks. If anybody wants to show up, awesome. If not, you know, you guys all suck, whatever. <laughs> And um, he was like, yo, I'll be there. So I'm like, no way. So he showed up, gave him my first salute. We ended up getting some lunch and he ended up uh, taking off. And then I didn't get saluted for like a month. A little <laughs> bit. <laughs> I had a streak going and then, you know, they got me like twice in one day and I came home and I was like, damn, they got me. 
Uh, your first salute, how did that feel? Was it strange? Oh my God, yeah, man. It was like, I remember, because I was, I think I was a E4, and he had just picked up his six. And the, the guy, I mean, he's super smart, man. Very well put together. He knows what he's talking about. He's got a great leader. And I remember, like, when he showed up, um, he's in the parking lot. He, like, walks up to me. And I was like, hey, let's go. We'll go do my first salute over in front of the sign. And then, um, you know, we'll go get, some, go get some lunch. And, like, we're walking over there. And he's like, wait, let me get on your uh, let me get on your left side. Because I have to walk. Oh, like, that's right. Yeah. He's like, because I have to walk, like, two, base, two paces behind you. And I'm like, oh, that's right. I mean, I don't give a shit. But, like, I guess, yeah. you know. And he's like, no, no, it's the right thing to do. And I was like, okay. You know, and it was just, like, really weird because, you know, the last time I had seen him, he was, you know, I was doing that to him. And now, you know, the the roles reversed. And, you know, we had a really good conversation. We talked a lot. And, um, you know, I, I today I actually listened to your most recent episode about that circle of friends. Yeah, yeah, circle of influence. That was, a, that was an exciting one, yeah. Dude, that one, like that it tied in to like everything I try and do, you know, that, that group of friends that I have for my deployment is like literally that episode, man. It's, mm-hmm. They're just great guys. They all want to succeed. You know, everybody's trying to do the right thing and it's just, it's awesome. It's a good feeling. Yeah. I, uh, I remember you and I talked a long time ago about you going to walk, but you know how everyone has, every NCO has that uh, aspiration of going warrant or <laughs> officer. So when you first told me, I was like, oh, like you just, everybody talks about it. But then one day you told me that you were going to, you were actually going. I was like, whoa, what the heck? You actually did it. And then I couldn't help but then I saw you post a picture of you in, um, I think you had your uniform like on a bed and you posted a picture of your bar. And I just looked at it and I was like, that's so weird to see Davis and then to see the, uh, the warrant underneath it because people don't understand how much your mentality changes. You you can look at it and you can see just a shape. Like it's no big deal. It's a shape. But people don't understand that it changes the way you interact with the army when you like civilians mostly when you go from, for example, being enlisted to being warrant or officer, or whatever. So so far, how much has your world changed from going from enlisted? Because you were you were you're getting down and dirty from, you know, you've had deployments, you were drilled for how long? Like a year to two? Almost, almost two years, almost two years. And then I got the, basically the reserves were like, Hey, we're not, we don't have any money to fund your orders anymore. You got to go home. That's when I was a reserve. That's right. Yeah. 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 We went, you know, my wife and I went through that whole thing. She was pregnant. It was a mess. Um, But I, I remember like slapping on the rank, and I remember like thinking back to my enlisted days and like mm-hmm. asking myself, did I accomplish everything I wanted to do on the enlisted mm-hmm. side? And I was comfortable with my answer. I'm like, you know, I got my deployment in. I did do the drill sergeant thing for a while. And yeah. I, you know, I met great people, you know, experienced a lot. But like now I felt like it was time to, all right, next, next challenge. What's the next challenge? Yeah. And that's really what set it in motion, man. It was just like, I I need to do this. And it's funny because I I know exactly what you're talking about. You'll hear people all the time like, oh yeah, you know, think about doing that green and mm-hmm. gold. Yeah, all the time. All the time, dude. All the time. And then you see them like three or four years later and like, you know, they're still in their same position. And I remember thinking about that. I'm like, you know, I don't want to be that guy. Like mm. I have to make this happen. I have to. And the process, the process took me like a year and a half. I had to wait on a paper to get signed so I could be released from the reserves and a two-star needed That's to sign. Right. Yeah, dude, it sat in the desk for two months because some guy thought it was at somebody else's office. Oh, it was a mess, man. And I was still on the trail at the time. So like I didn't have all this time to just be calling people and emailing people. So like, oh, dude, it was, it is a relief to know that that part of the process is over. Like it's mm-hmm. done. With. I don't have to experience it again. Now it's about focusing on, you know, my next school, that 50 meter target, you know? Exactly. That's, um, that's one of the things that I think you and I have a lot of comment, uh, comment on is per- career progression. So 
Um, I see a lot of people who are stuck in the same place in the army for three to four years. People don't understand. Uh, a lot of soldiers don't understand that the army is what you make it. So you may be limited by, let's say, uh, points or maybe um, time and grade or whatever. But ultimately, your career path is decided by you. The more ambitious you are, and this is kind of like a little PSA for anybody in the army. But uh, progression is a big part of the army. You, the army is what you make it. If you decide to sit in one grade for, uh, I mean, let's say that you can't. Let, let's say that you have the choice to progress, but you choose not to because you don't want the responsibility or whatever. Um, progression is achievement and achievement is essential for growth in the army. So at a certain point of time, did you just like, is there anything that you would say that an enlisted man, enlisted man needs to do before he decides to progress? Like for me, I think that you need to, it's kind of going in the weeds here, but I think, um, how has being a drill helped you in now the officer world? I think that's what I was getting at. Cause it's so different. It's extremely different, but I feel like first. And so first and foremost, that just the badge itself, like on your uniform, dude, yeah. it holds so much weight, man. It holds mm. so much weight and you could see it right away, man. When you're walking around, like it's funny, you know, I'll be walking around post or whatever and I see another warrant with a badge on. And we kind of like, we're kind of like, oh, damn, dude. Like, hey, where'd you do your trail time at? That's like, yeah. where'd you do your trail time at? And we'll like tell stories and stuff. And like, you know, the other, another warrant will walk up and he doesn't have a badge. And we're just like, oh, exactly. you, know, you don't know what we're talking about. So um, it's funny. It just, it feels good. But I think, I think the most Im important thing you can do, um, I mean, well, you, I mean, talking about progression, Progression in general, like in anything, in any aspect, you need to progress. The people that use that excuse, oh, I don't know if I'm ready for the responsibility. Look, mm -hmm. you're never going to be ready for the responsibility. You're just going to have to, you're going to have to figure it out. And that's the military, yeah. the military helps you do that. Like figure out as you go, mm -hmm. especially in the drill sergeant world, dude, there's a lot of times like things change and you got to be like thinking on your feet. You're like, oh crap, you know, hey, uh, we got to go here instead. And you got to find, you know, be able to have a plan and a backup plan, things like that. Um, but I think that, you know, as when you go from enlisted to officer, warrant officer, whatever, like your demeanor does change a little bit. But personally, I always keep that that enlisted like box in the back of my head. Like mm. I was I was there at one point, you know, I I know how hard NCOs get work. Man. I know yeah. how hard ran into the ground, you know, I know how hard um, it is sometimes and you have to be able to keep that with you at all times so you can kind of humble yourself mm -hmm. when you know they may be a little upset at some times you're like you know i had a first sergeant come up to me and like stand at attention and call me sir and i was like dude oh, what yeah, yeah. i was like what are you doing relax holy crap mm -hmm. <laughs> and we laughed it off you know and she was awesome she's a great leader she was doing the right thing but i'm like i understand you know i'm but i'm very laid back you know now mm -hmm. <laughs> the um Dude, I honestly, the officers that I've always respected the most were the officers who um, paid their dues as an enlisted man. So obviously, you, I'm pretty sure, I don't know anything about the warrant world, but you have to be enlisted for, yeah, you have to be enlisted for X amount of years before you can go warrant. But same thing with any officers, I've always respected them 10 times more when uh, I know that they were enlisted beforehand. You know what's very strange is that I can identify uh, especially officers like um, O's, O1s and up, I can I can see when they were an enlisted man. They just carry themselves differently. They're humble. Um, plus, people uh, often underestimate. This is why I recommend if you have the opportunity, if you're listening to this right now and if you have the opportunity to go drill, um, what he was talking about was the badge carries so much weight. The entire army, I, I'm pretty sure you can agree with me, with me on this, but the entire entire army treats you differently when you have a badge. So as a five myself, you know, if I didn't have the badge, you know, they'd look at me and blah, 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 whatever. But when you put that badge on you, they see you with the badge and possibly the hat, but they expect so much more from you. Just that little tiny badge uh, carries so much weight. Another question I had for you was at what point in time did you realize that it was time to go warrant? So was it because you got too comfortable in the enlisted world and you know that 
you know, you had to progress. Was there any moment in time where you're like, damn, I need to go warrant? Was it the money? Because warrants get paid more, I believe. Um, yes. Was there anything specifically? Did you just, was it just pure progression or what? I remember, the, I actually remember the day it happened. I was mm. in, I was in airborne school and I was sitting down. Um, there was, I went as NCO, a few, there was a few other NCOs there. We were sitting down after lunch or whatever. And my friend, Andrea, Andrea had, she dropped her packet. She's talking about like going to flight school and stuff. And, um, you know, how now's the time. And she kind of like planted a seed. And mm. at the time, I think I had only done like maybe two cycles. So I was still pretty new. Mm. And I remember her telling me this stuff and I was like, no, man, I want to, I want to keep being a drill sergeant. Like, like I yeah. want to keep doing this stuff. I haven't really done it that much. Well, you know, we stayed in touch after, um, she got into school, she got picked up, all that good stuff. And I remember like after a year, um, maybe a little over a year, I think I finished up like my fourth cycle or something. Damn. And I remember being like, you know what? Maybe it's time. Mm -hmm. Maybe like, maybe this is a good decision to make. I remember thinking like at some point the reserves are going to tell me, Hey, you have to go back home. And I remember thinking like, I'm going to have to find, a equivalent civilian job, you know, as far as financially to support my family. Yeah. Like that, you know? And I remember thinking like, you know, if I just drop this packet and I go active duty and I get picked up, like, that's it, man. Like I'm active duty. I'm getting paid. Mm -hmm. I'm going to training. And like, why, like, why would you not want to fly? man? Why would you not want to do that? Yeah. And I just told myself like, this is it. And I just dove into the books, dude. I started studying my ass off for the testing that I had to do and like busting my ass in my packet. You know, my wife was freaking helping me. Mm -hmm. And um, that really, like, at that moment, I knew, like, I was like, I have to do this. This is something I have to do. It's a calling. It's a challenge. It's awesome. Like, I can tackle this. I'm going to go make it happen. Mm -hmm. Was there any, during this up, uh this process of becoming a warrant or deciding that you had to go to warrant? Uh, was there any like fear or hesitation or anything like that, that you had to overcome? Maybe some reluctancy, like you're like, damn, I don't know if I'm capable of becoming a warrant or if I want to have that responsibility. Was there any type of barriers outside of just the paperwork, dude? Oh God, the paperwork for any kind of school is horrible. Um, what were some obstacles that you were forced to overcome during your progression? So, the paperwork it was the number one obstacle. That's horrible. That's what's terrible, dude. It's mm -hmm. uh, the system is. I mean, that's a whole other story. But um, I had the the recruiter that I was talking to, the, the warrant officer recruiter I was talking to. She kind of didn't give me a lot of information. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like I showed up to a briefing one day. I was in civvies, and. I sat down. She's a CW4. There was two CW4s in there. And um, she's like, uh, can I help you soon? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm here for the, the warrant officer briefing. And the guy, the gentleman was like, oh, civvies? And I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm on leave. He's, huh. like, he's like, what do you do? I was like, I'm a drill sergeant. He's like, I've never seen a drill sergeant in civvies. I'm like. Oh, you're like, you oh. are now. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I, what? I'm, like, I'm like, dude, okay, I'm, what the hell? Like, tell me, what do I got to do to be a warrant officer? I, mm -hmm. I want to fly helicopters. What do I got to do to do that? You know? And ever since I, that that point happened, like her emailing and her phone calls and stuff, like we're just kind of like, eh, he's a reservist, like, eh, yeah. whatever. He doesn't want to be an MP because that's who he gave the brief. Secondly, um, wow. Oh, okay. So I submit my packet, right? Drop mm -hmm. my packet. It goes to the board. The week of the board, I'm at work. I'm like sweating that entire week. So I'm like, you know, I hope it get picked up. I hope it get picked up. Yeah. Um, everything was in line, and I think the results came out like, I think seven or four or five days after the board. No, like ten days after the board. Dude, I got picked up the day that Kobe Bryant and his daughter and his oh. friend died in that helicopter accident. I remember that day. I remember exactly where I was. I was in a Panera Bread. Yeah. Dude, I am. I I have. I've played sports since I was like four years old. Dude. Basketball mm -hmm. has been basketball in many ways has taught me so much about life in general. Yeah. Kobe was an idol, you know, like when I heard that, I'm like, no way. There's no way. It's not possible. 
Mm-hmm. And more and more news started coming out, more and more news started coming out. Like, oh my God. Then I checked my email and it's like, congratulations. Oh, <laughs> and shit. You just got accepted. So I'm like, oh my God. Um, I remember being with my wife. My wife is, she's crying. Yeah. She grew up, you know, her dad was is a huge Lakers fan. Like, they grew up watching Kobe and watching the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there, I'm like, how in the world? Do I tell her, like, hey, babe, um, oh, I had, you know, uh, so I, I held it. I do. I didn't tell her for a while. Like, mm-hmm. it was weeks. It was weeks before I told her because I was like, I didn't know how. Yeah. I was scared. And um, eventually, like, we made it through. I told her she was a little upset that I hid the information from her. But I'm like, when did you want me to tell you? You know, it's like mm-hmm. really it was hard. Um, to be able to try and try and put that into comforting words after everything that had happened. Yeah. Well, and then you guys went through a lot too, because this is another thing that I was thinking of also is that you, the reserves as a drill pretty much ended your contract, right? They're like, uh, sorry, we don't have the money for it, which people, a lot of people, um, reserves, we're like kind of mercenaries for the army. So it's like, we fill spots that the army needs. But what sucks is that if your unit runs out of, money they can pull you off the trail at any time that's one of the things i've learned um yeah but uh yeah and then so it's like you guys already went through a lot i'd imagine you said that you were like worried financially because the reserves pays well especially if you have a family and then all of a sudden you have no income i remember you were working at like uh, it was like the rpac for a while wasn't it yeah i was working at an rpac yeah Uh, decent i mean decent money like it wasn't bad but you don't get bah you know you're not getting BAH. are you serious you don't get bah no dude you get like you get base pay E5, I think. No. Yeah, dude. You don't get anything extra. So I was like, I remember, and I don't have any shame in fucking telling anybody, but uh-huh. I would I would drive like Lyft, you know, I'll drive Lyft like yeah. you know, three weekends a month, you know, just to try and make end meet, just so wow. I could like we could go out to dinner. And mm-hmm. I remember I told myself, um, the day I stopped driving Lyft, I kept my stickers, the stickers that Lyft sends you. Mm. I kept them and I keep them with me because it reminds me like, Hey dude, yeah, you came from man. Like, and the day that I get my helicopter, that's going to be the day that I break the stickers out. I'm going to be like, look, Oh shit. Are you going to put them on somewhere in your helicopter? You know, I'm going to slap them on the window. Yeah. Wow. On the window. And it's just, it's good. It's like, I, I, I dream about that every night. I'm like, man, I can't wait. Just peel off that sticker slap that bad boy on there and like obviously take a picture and just be like look man people people this is the importance of keeping people like us around you because they're Mm -hmm. they're going to drive you to do do stuff like that you know like make sure you remember where you came from where you were at one Mm -hmm. point you know like make sure you always carry that with you because it'll rub off on other people and people people when you talk to them when you interact with them and like, man this dude or this girl they got they got it you know they got it they, and they understand what it takes they understand how to be a, a good person and how to succeed in in all all areas not just career wise yeah you know, you, you know it's and that's i mean nowadays it's what's happening right now in the world is insane dude mm-hmm. to be able to keep your composure and just keep that humility with you at all times. Yeah. It's a skill set, dude. It is a it is an underrated trait that a lot mm. of people have forgotten about, you know? Yeah. Dude, so that's I didn't know that. I didn't know that you were forced to work for Lyft, or at least you had to to make more income. So you had two options there, right? You can you can either um choose to advance or you can choose a victim mentality at that point. You're just like, it, it would have been so easy for you to just be like, oh, I'm a victim of circumstance. You know, essentially what happened is, is it fair to say that you lost your job? Um, you, you, I mean, I know, I feel like if I were to lose my contract with the reserves as a drill, I'd have been like, damn, I kind of lost my job at this point, kind of. So you went from kind of losing a job to um, working for Lyft and now you're at the point to where you're going to be flying helicopters. I had no idea that I just knew that you um, that they took away your contract, at least for a short amount of time. But I had no idea that for a while you were working for like Lyft and stuff like that. 
Yeah, dude, it was. I mean, it was humbling. I'm like, I, the RPAC, the RPAC, the office is awesome. Yeah, and yeah. The majority of the money from my that the government civilian job, like it covered most of the expenses, but there were definitely expenses that we had. You got to remember, exactly. like, my wife doesn't work. You know, she watches the kids, and that's completely fine with me because daycare is insane right now. Exactly. It's expensive. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know what? Every weekend or every other weekend or something, I'll go out, I'll drive for a little bit, you know, or I'll drive after work if I got off early or something, you know, just to make some extra cash. That way, you know, we could have food or like we could go out somewhere to eat and, you know, have something nice. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling people like, dude, driving Lyft, you learn a lot. Um, you learn a lot just about yourself and about other people too. People will open up to you. They do. Really quickly, man. If you are, if you're approachable and like you're not intimidating at all, you're just like a person, you know. Mm-hmm. Like you're just being, you know, and you're doing this job, and like you're not, you don't have anything. Like you don't have a chip in your shoulder. You're not like an asshole. Like they'll open up to you and like talk to you about everything, dude. And on a five minute drive, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's comforting. They, yeah, I noticed that on, uh, I, I've never like worked for Lyft or Uber or anything, but I've been in plenty of them and people will open up to anybody if you are willing to have a conversation with them. Um, and then another thing, what I was thinking too, because now I'm because th- I know you have kids and, yeah. uh, you just had a, another one. How long ago? Like what? Less Dude, than a year ago? Bro, she's going to be a year. Oh, uh, it's already been a year. Oh my God. On the 14th of October. She's going to be a year old. Yeah. That's right around the corner. Yeah. Your that I remember when she was just born. It's so weird how fast I'm just like blown away about how, how fast time goes. But um, you're um, you're obviously a father too. And then during this whole time, I was wondering where uh, you just realized that you had to provide as a father. You're like, I have to take care of my wife. I have to take care of my daughters. I'm imagining that going through all of this, you were all taking that into account. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm just going to sit here. But um, the power of fatherhood and the willingness and ambition to provide is something really powerful. Um, something that I have not been able to uh, fully comprehend yet because I'm not a dad yet, but I can only imagine that played a huge part in your progression. Dude, it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of like going back to what you said about that victim mentality or like mm-hmm. being, being an alpha. Like I remember... I remember being, where the hell was I? I think it was, I think it was at the academy. And like, we were getting chewed out by like the senior or something. And he was like telling, he was basically telling all of us, like him and his team were alphas. He's like, you Mm. need to be an alpha everywhere you go. And I took it, I took that with me and I'm like, okay, I can be an alpha. Now, being an alpha doesn't necessarily mean you like kick down a door and start ripping heads off. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it does not. It, at all you're just you're you're witty you're humble you're uh you're composed under pressure mm-hmm. so like when these when shit started happening you know like I, I, there was no there was no choice to me there was no choice it was like look dude these are your bills monthly this is what you need to make a month mm-hmm. it, it needs to happen like you you got to figure it out obviously it can't be illegal you know you can't go dealing drugs or like robbing yeah. banks you know you just got to figure it out and i remember like I could have very well sat there and been like, you know what? I'm just going to get fired and file for unemployment and, yeah. you know, hope I get picked up on active duty. You know what I mean? But I was like, no, dude, fuck that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm better. Like, I can go out. I got I have a wife I got to take care of. I have kids I got to take care of. Like, you know, every morning I go to PT, I come back and I walk in. I open, I crack the door in the bedroom, right? And I see, so my daughter, like, she usually sleeps in her room, but like in the middle of the night, she'll come and like call me yeah. every time, dude. Mm-hmm. I walk in and I see them just completely knocked out, dude. All three of them just sound asleep. Mm-hmm. It makes me so fucking happy, dude. Like it, it is so comforting. I'm like fucking drenched in sweat. Like yeah. I got a massive pump going and like, I'm like, there they are. Like these are the people that I'm. I, that I love, that I'm taking care of. Mm-hmm. And I feel just so, so freaking good about it. And then, you know, we go on about our day. And that's that's important. Yeah, I can imagine the satisfaction that comes from being a dad and providing for your family on the level to where you don't have to. I'd imagine, I mean, I, I'm not going to get into your finances, but I imagine the Army's taking care of you guys now, right? Yeah, man. We, um, 
you know, the pay raises. I actually, you know, a funny story. Well, actually, this probably won't surprise you at all, but right. I haven't been paid correctly since I've been here. Oh, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Yeah. I've been here since June and they still haven't paid me correctly. Oh, my God. Yeah. I still don't know how much, like, I obviously get paid, but mm-hmm. they're like, my years in service are wrong. I wasn't getting BH for a while. I wasn't getting BAS, all this crap. And like, I'm still waiting on back pay. Like, it's just, it's a mess. But I've had so much family time. Yeah. Since I've been here, I've never had my last active duty experience was a drill sergeant. So mm-hmm. you know how that is. And I comparing, you know, that to this, it's like insane. And my wife oh, gets sick. Right. I'm home all the time. She's like, Yeah. I get sick of you because you're here. I'm like, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because as a drill, um, as a drill, you were probably because Dude, it's so different being a drill as a single soldier because as a single soldier drill, dude, it didn't matter how long I was at work. You know, I didn't have a family. I mean, like my, I was far away from my family, my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother and all that stuff like that. So I could stay at work for as long as I wanted with zero consequences. But I'd imagine as a drill with a wife and two kids, I can't imagine that having a positive impact on your relationship with your family. I'd imagine you like, cause right. I, Right? Am I just speculating here? Or is that true? It was. It was rough, man. It was more. I mean, there was good times. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. it was. It was a stress, man. It was super tough. So, like, when we got here, um, I told my wife like my schedule. I graduated walks. <clears throat> I got my. I got my schedule. You know, before my class date and stuff. I had some time off. She was like, "So, like, what? What? What's the schedule like?" I'm like, "Oh, I mean." I go to PT in the morning and then, you know, I have, I go in the office for like an hour or something. And then, you know, I just, if they don't call me, then I'm good to go. And she's like, she's like, really? Are you serious? I'm like, yeah, that's Whoa. it. <laughs> she's like, what? <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. So we've gone to the beach. Um, we've, you know, had a ton of movie nights, man. We've, um, we've set up the house. Like we've played with the girls. Dude. It's just, it's a blessing, dude. It's a relief. And I'm so thankful. And it's like just the beginning. So I'm I'm very excited to see my next two years here because I'll be here for probably a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So um, I'd imagine that as a, I mean, I don't want to get too much into the weeds about just being a warrant officer, um, yeah. but I'd imagine as a warrant, you have much more freedom as an enlisted man, right? Am I wrong? Yeah. So here it's a little weird. Here, like a warrant officer is like you're a diamond dust man. Nobody really cares. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember. I remember we had a W three like in brief us one time. And he was like, "Hey, you guys are privates. I'm a specialist." I'm like, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like, here, here, it doesn't matter. Nobody, nobody cares if you're a warrant here because there's thousands of them. You go anywhere else, it's you know you're a unicorn. But here, nobody cares. So just don't do anything dumb. I'm like, all right, that's fair enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. of course, he's like slipping his hands into his pockets. And of course. This is cool, man. <laughs> yeah, on active duty. So when I was on active duty, I never interacted with warrants. I think the only time I interacted with warrants was on deployment uh, in the field. I do. Most of the time, I never even saw them, to be honest. Yeah. Um, they were just like, I don't even know where they were. And not going to lie, a lot of warrants, uh, a lot of my warrants were very, very good at their job but they were shitbags. But the <laughs> army just kind of like lets the warrant. They're like, okay, you know what you have to do, right? Okay, now, now just go away. Like, I don't know what it, I don't know where they go. I don't know if there's like this giant community building that all the warrants hang out at, but at the same time, they're just like, meh, I'm going home. Um, another thing that I was wondering too is, um, so we talked about, just to summarize that last part, we talked about how you went from, um, being a drill sergeant, which you got a ton of experience from, you were on a trail for a long time. And then, you know, unfortunately the reserves contract ended, you were forced to work for Lyft, at least for a little bit. And mm-hmm. then we talked about how, which I'm really excited about is to one day see you put that lift lift sticker on your next aircraft, which is going to be, that's going to be, oh my God, it's going to be oh, so cool. Uh, I want to see it just, <laughs> people are going to have no idea what it means. They're going to think you're being sarcastic. In actuality, yeah. what you're doing is you're paying tribute to where you were, you know, cool. only like a year or two ago. Um, at what point in time did you realize that you wanted to fly aircraft? Was like this a was this a dream that you've had all of your life, or because can you be a warrant as an 
you're an MP, right? No, no, I was a, I was a combo guy. Oh, that's right. So you can go warrant as combo, right? You can go warrant as combo. There's a bunch of different MOSs. Um, the, at the time, though, like the one of my friend Andrea, when she was telling me about it, she was like, uh-huh. "Dude, the, the army needs pilots right now. Like they're looking for pilots." Right. I'm like, really? And I remember when I was younger, my nana, my grandmother, she used to tell me all the time. She'd be like, "Mijo, you would make a wonderful pilot." Uh-huh. And I would, I would just kind of look at her like, "Really?" She's like, "Oh, yes, dude." Ever since I can remember, she's been telling me. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, I guess, you know, okay. You know, I would kind of, you know, whatever, not a, you know, crazy old lady and then go on and do whatever. And I remember dropping this packet and getting picked up. And like, I, in the the process, I would go, there was a flight pad on Fort Leonard Wood. I would go and visit them. They would take me on night flights and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, I was sold, dude. I'm like, this is fucking awesome. Like just mm-hmm. to be able to power this aircraft, like control you are flying this machine. Like, that's yeah. awesome, man. That is that is insane. And I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. Dude, that's one of the things. So I don't know if I told you this, but um, when I ended my active duty contract in 2016, the last thing, because I was burnt on the Army. I was so burnt. The last thing that I told myself that I wanted to do was fly aircraft. I was at the 101st. I flew in aircraft all the time on deployment and stuff like that. I was like, I want to be a pilot. I talked to all these pilots in Afghanistan. Um, I remember seeing rounds through the bottom of their aircraft. Their composure, something about a pilot's composure just really uh, attracted me to that world. They were calm, cool, collect, and literally like the cool guys. They had all these little mustaches and stuff like that. I was like, oh man, I want one of those. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I told myself, I was like, man, the uh, if I can't get picked up for one, uh, I'm gonna get out of the army. And I didn't obviously get picked up and I ended up leaving the army. And, but that was like one of the things that I'm still leaning towards in the future is eventually going pilot. Now, I think maybe even consciously or subconsciously, your grandma planted the first seed for you becoming a pilot. Cause as a kid, when someone tells you you should be a pilot, how are you not, how's that not a compliment? You know, it's not an insult, definitely a compliment. Yeah. I remember like, obviously when I was younger, I had no idea. And then, you know, you grow up a little bit and you're like, damn, mm-hmm. he, I mean, my Nana is just, I mean, we, Elders in general, dude, they just yeah been through so much. And she was born, I think, in the 30s, you know? Oh, my it, God. No, the 40s? Is it the 40s? Mm-hmm. The 40s. And, like, just to think of, so from the time she was born to now, like, all she's been through, everything that she's seen, everything mm-hmm. she's experienced, and she's planting that seed in me. Like, dude, she's got to know yeah. something. You know what I mean? Like, she's got to she's got to have seen this before. She's, you know, hey you can do this like you can make this happen and i remember calling her and telling her like nana guess what she's like what i was like i just got picked up i'm gonna oh, go wow. be a pilot. and she started crying dude she started bawling her eyes out i'm like i'm gonna be a pilot she's like are you serious i'm like yes i'm gonna be a fucking pilot like That's i'm gonna make insane. it happen. yeah and I'm, i know i i talk to her all the time and um she i had this awesome series of pictures Mm-hmm. My basic training graduation is of her and my mom. And then my drill sergeant graduation is her and my mom. And then for my flight school graduation, I want her and my mom to be there. And just like have those three pictures together with me all the time. Like, damn, dude. Yeah. Look at these women did for you, man. Like they were there for you. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I, I, this is kind of like off military side, but I feel like, this day and age parents aren't as respected anymore yeah and it's super disappointing because i feel like parents now fathers and mothers when their kid doesn't really appreciate them as much majority of them are like oh you know what they'll figure it out you know Mm -hmm. like i'll i'll wait they'll come back to me 20 years from now and say you were right and you know let me just check my phone you know whatever Mm -hmm. and that's it you know there's no like there's no really there's no real fight from like either side you know and i grew up um my parents were divorced when i was six uh my dad passed away in 2014 are you telling me about that yeah and i always say like yeah i think the divorce killed him you know and Mm -hmm. um it's really like it's 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 heartbreaking, man. And I remember like now, knowing what I know now, I'm like, damn, dude, I wish 
I wish I could have done something, but like there was nothing I could do. You know, it's just back then it was just, I wasn't who I am now. So it's mm-hmm. just, it is what it is. I remember seeing pictures of you when you were a younger kid. I think you posted them on like your Instagram or something like that. Were you like kind yeah. of like a jockey bro type of guy or what? Like, um, I don't know. I remember you said, I remember you like a sneaker guy. I can't remember. Oh, dude. F- hell yeah. I, so I worked, I worked at a shoe store for four years. Right. Oh, yeah. Only my only bill was like my phone bill. It was like $35. This is back in like, uh-huh. 2006, 2006, yeah, 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009, whatever. Mm. Like that's, you know, stuff wasn't as expensive. So I only had a phone bill. It was like 35 bucks a month. Yeah. The rest of the money was like, I lived at my mom's. I didn't really have any other bills. So I would just buy shoes. I had like 130 pairs at one point. No, are you serious? Oh God, yeah. I'm still. How? <laughs> bro, my, I got I to gotta show you pictures. I, my entire closet, like my room was just like shoe boxes, dude. I had, I had shoes that are worth like 600 bucks, man. I had all the Jordans, Nikes, I had Adidas, like wow. all the, all these shoes, man. I, I still like shoes. The The problem is now is they're way too expensive and I can't justify spending that yeah, much. There's no way. No way, dude. Now, I, right now when I go shop for shoes, I go to the clearance section right away. I'm oh, me right too. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I go. I'm I'm cheap. I'll go straight for the cheap shoes. Isn't it funny how much your um your priorities change in only <laughs> like ten years? You went from you went from being this uh, sneaker head to spending six hundred dollars on shoes to joining the army. I think what what year did you join? Fourteen, thirteen, something like that. Um, thirteen. Well, yeah, thirteen. We were in at the same time actually. And then um, yeah. then you go from eventually being a drill sergeant which i know you've always wanted to do that was like one of your goals enlisted to um now becoming a pilot it's just insane how much people can change if they just change their mindset dude i look back on the thoughts that i've had even a couple years ago i'm like oh my god i was an idiot that's how that's when you know you're progressing properly is that when every year you look back and you're like oh god in 2019 i was an idiot and then 2019 should look back to 18 and think oh god i was an idiot uh progression never ends it never ends in the army it never ends in life it just it's constantly developing and getting yourself to that next level because i look at how far you've come in your career in how how many years have you been in now um it'll be seven years on the 11th dude look Um, at how much you've done in in seven years You've yeah. done best warrior competitions. You've became uh didn't did you officially make six? You did, right? I did, yeah. I made the list. Yeah. Made six. You went drill and now you're active duty, which um I'm assuming you're liking so far, right? I, I love it, dude. I love I love the stability of it. Our house we have is huge. It doesn't even oh, like nice. it's awesome, man. The house we had in Lunderwood was man. It it was eh. But we got to this one, it's like the complete opposite. It's fucking, it's great. Um, and yeah, we love it here, man. I mean, stability's nice. Really? I, I remember like, you know, I remember it's funny that you bring up like the progression because I remember I go through my Facebook memories every day. Yeah. I'll scroll down to the bottom and it's like a status from like 2010. And I'm like, what the yeah. fuck? Who doing? is that? Oh my God. I'm like, why was I talking like this? Like, what the hell is going on? Like, I posted that. Like, oh my yeah. god, I don't delete it though. I just I hide it from everybody else. And I remember, you know, I'll come across statuses, and I'm just like, man, that's crazy, man. Ten years ago, I was, I thought that was awesome. Yeah, I thought that was that was a thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember recently, I read this book um, called The Coddling of the American Mind. Yes, yeah, I've read that too. God, dude. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I was indulged in this book. And I remember reading about, there's a portion of the book where he talks about experiences. And he's basically saying like, people want to put themselves in this perfect bubble where everything is perfect for them. And what happens is something comes into that bubble that's not perfect. And like these alarms go off, eh, 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 you know, mm-hmm. freaking out, you know, panicking. Back then, you know, <clears throat> you wouldn't, you wouldn't you just, you learn how to accept that people are different. People have different opinions. 
these are experiences that are just adding to your growth. Mm-hmm. Now people aren't viewing that anymore. They're like, no, like I don't agree with you. You're wrong. You're racist. You know, you're sexist, whatever. Like, yeah, I'm gonna call you anything they want. Yeah. yeah you're a bigot, you know, whatever. And it's like, no dude, like you don't understand. Like you need to be able to find those uncomfortable experiences and yeah. share with them because those are, go- those are what mm-hmm. you want. That those are the things that you're like, yo, put that in my plate because I'm I want to learn how to, you know, be agile and like have the ability to converse with anybody about anything, yeah, and not get upset about it. Mm-hmm. And I remember meeting you and talking to you because we talked over time and over time. I'm like, damn, this dude, this dude's got it, man. Like, mm-hmm. this, this is a guy that I can have a conversation with about anything, and no matter what it is, at the end of the conversation we're still friends yeah. and it's very rare that you find those nowadays. Um, especially with the new, the newer, the younger kids, you know, Mm -hmm. 20, 22, 23 and and under, it's just, they have a different mindset, man. It's really scary. It's concerning. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that I noticed too, was you, you probably, especially from being a drill is that your mindset of stress has probably completely changed. So it's like now you can, uh, you can operate under a stress induced environment. Like I don't know about you, dude, but the Academy was stressful for me. The trail stressful. Um, even now I'm still under a constant mode of stress. If I'm not under at least a certain amount of stress, I'm not saying I'm ripping my hair out every day, but if I'm not under at least a certain amount of stress, that's a red flag to me now. Whereas back in the, maybe five years ago, if I was uh, comfortable, if I was non-stressed, I feel like I was winning. When actuality, I feel like you and I can both attest to that, is that, attest to this, is that you need to have a certain amount of stress in your life and you need to have at least a certain amount of being uncomfortable. If you're no longer feeling stressed, to a certain extent, don't take this out of context, guys, but if you're not feeling at least a certain amount of stress, uh, a certain amount of being uncomfortable, you have to look at yourself and say, hmm, Am I getting too comfortable? Am I progressing? Because I know for sure, uh, probably warrant officer school probably wasn't the most comfortable thing in the world. I know for damn sure being on the trail wasn't the most comfortable thing in the world. And I know for sure, like just, yeah, um, that was, uh, that was one of the things that I've kind of changed my mindset on is like, I have to be a little bit uncomfortable because the moment I get comfortable, complacent, uh, is the moment that I start, stop developing as a person. I can only imagine right. you you agree. Oh, dude, hundred and ten percent. It's funny. I was just we were just. I think I was talking to my wife like it was like two days ago, and no, it was yesterday. It was like cloudy and raining, and she's like, "Let's have a lazy day," and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm cool with a lazy day." Mm-hmm. And like halfway through the day, she's like looking at me. I'm like, "What's up?" She's like, "I I want to do something." And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> "I'm like, how do you think I feel?" Like, you know, mm-hmm. I tell you, you know me, you know, I'm like always on the go. Like I'm always doing something. It's like impossible for me to sit down and like not do something. Yeah. She's like, yeah, well you kind of rubbed off on me. I'm like, doesn't it feel good? Like mm-hmm. to have that kind of like that stress, like, yo, I need to be doing something productive. Like what yeah. can I do? You just like take a second, look around, like maybe I can do this or this or that. You're always thinking like, how can I be better? What can I do to make the area around me better? Mm-hmm. And she started picking up on that. And I'm like, cherish that, like fucking take that and, yeah. and love that because you are going to start noticing, like, instead of, you know, spending 20 minutes on your phone, you can spend 20 minutes reading a book and yeah. like learning something and getting something from it. You could spend, you know, half an hour, uh, instead of watching a show on Netflix, going for a run, you know? And I'm not yeah. saying that. I'm not saying that you should never have downtime. Trust me, recovery is extremely important, but you don't want too much of it. You don't want to forget about what, you know, humans humans were made of. I dude, exactly. You Bro, your page. So, I forgot I forgot the post. Oh my god. Um I forgot the post, but I'm one day I was talking to I was talking to somebody and I'm like, dude, humans like we came from savages. Like mm-hmm. people have it super easy now. They don't understand like we were not made to sit on the couch and like eat all day, you know. We were meant to go out and like work and run and like build ourselves. Like having that feeling, like, is is nostalgic, and you like you've never yeah. even been before, but you just feel like 
you know, you're connected. Like, you know, when you do FTXs on the trail, you go to the field, yeah. you're in the forest or whatever. You're in the woods, you know, you're sweating, you're hungry, you're like hot, you're thirsty. You're like, damn, dude, freaking 3,000 years ago, whatever. Like, did you imagine? Oh, like, God. This is how they live, dude. Like, this is uh-huh. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I put, that's one of the things. That's a good point. I have to constantly put things into perspective because when I'm out in the field, don't get me wrong, the field sucks. But when I take that, I'm like, okay, I'm in the field for, uh, for Campbell, dude, it was like 30 days at a time. It was awful. You're in the field and you're like, I'm sitting here, maybe rightfully so, but I'm sitting here bitching about being uh, maybe a little bit wet, maybe not getting enough sleep. And then I think back to my ancient like Germanic ancestors and I think of the shit that they used to go through. And I'm like, I got a cut on my arm. I'm like, oh, no big deal. I'm like, dude, this would have killed somebody like a chronic uh, gangrenic <laughs> infection only like 3000 years ago. So I put things into perspective all the time. And I think I might know what kind of, uh, what quote you're talking about. Was it the one who was like from Socrates? And it was like, I don't remember it either at this point, but it was like, uh, it was like because you shared it with me oh god now i'm forgetting it was like to not basically it was like to not see how far you can push the body physically is like a sin or something like that wasn't it yes. Oh, yes. yeah what was it oh I'm forgetting uh, it now. He like, what's it, keywords like his the man would live his whole life never fully knowing his like power like his his oh god dude sock socrates, socrates. quote on physical i'm not we're gonna find this we're gonna find it dude. i know oh found it found it it. okay yeah read it yeah all right right. tell me if this is it no man has the right to be an amateur in the matter a matter of physical training it is a shame for a man to grow old without seeing the beauty and strength of which his body is capable is that what you're talking about sing it man yes that is i just got chills chills right now yeah me too that that there is like, I remember I screenshot it and I'm like, dude, I'm going to read this every day. Mm-hmm. And obviously I haven't, I fell off about it, but I remembered it. Mm-hmm. I remembered how important it was and how like it drove me And like thinking back. I'm like, dude, you know, I get up and I go to PT, I run, I go to the gym, you know, and it's a convenience for me back in the day, dude, like way, 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 way back yeah. in the day. If you weren't in good shape, you, you were dying. You were going to die. Dead. Yeah. You're you bye. But you're you're not gonna you're you're the weakest link, dude. You're uh-huh. sorry, you can't run and you're fat. We don't need you. Exactly. Gonna, if we get attacked, like you're dying first because you're fat. You're, <laughs> yeah. you're easy prey. And the easy thing is, prey. I I think about this quote often too. Um, and I still remember the picture. It was a picture of the Spartan holding the spear. I think it was. Yes. But um, but I want to break this down here. It says no man has the right to be an amateur in the matter of physical training. Yes, I do completely agree with that. But also you can apply that towards your job, towards, you know, your family and towards general progression. And then he says, it is a shame for a man to grow old without seeing the beauty and strength of which his body is capable. I would even add on to that and say, it is a shame for a man to grow old without seeing the beauty of of what he's capable of in life. You know what I mean? So it's like one of my biggest fears that, and people ask me this all the time, Forrest, what's your biggest fear? One of my biggest fear, and I'm sure you can relate to this at least to a certain extent, is getting to an age to where I am no longer mobile, I'm weak, I'm frail, I'm old, I'm dying. And I look back on my life and I'm like, oh God, I should have gone warrant. I should have yeah. gone drill. And having that uh, regret, oh God, that oh. is, that's horrifying to me. That is, uh, you know, death is, is, I've come to accept death, but to me, dying full of regret, I, I'd be well. I'd be willing to bet eighty percent of the men on their deathbed right now live in deep, deep states of regret. That, ugh, ugh. add that on top of dying of pancreatic cancer. Yeah, no. some shitty, like just something really bad, you know. Like, I don't yeah. know, dude. I feel like I think there's certain people out there that just they want to accomplish so much, and life, life is pretty short, man. Like even, I mean, we're living into our, our nineties, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, like you meet people in their eighties and stuff. And like, they, they always have something like, Oh, you know, I kind of wish I would have done this. Exactly. And you're like, fuck, I don't want that to happen. But at the same time is like, is there enough time for you to accomplish it? Mm-hmm. And I think if you can differentiate, like if you can say comfortably, like, Hey, I gave it a shot. I found out exactly. or, or 
I didn't give it a shot, but looking back at my life, I really didn't have time or take the route to do it. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay with it. I'm comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And depending on your stance of death, you know, you could die and the next day you're born a, a, a newborn baby and you're like mm-hmm. living a son, you know, and you get a second shot or whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um it's definitely like something that sits with me, dude. Like just now, I I mean, especially especially with social media, man, people don't realize like your your life, like that's it, man. Like yeah. this is this is all you have. Like mm-hmm. every morning, the time you have, like that's it, dude. It's not coming back, oh. man. It's it's gone. The shit's gone. Father time always wins. Yeah. Father time always wins, and nobody will ever defeat Father Time. So you need to be able to grasp that concept and be like, look, I need to start doing something exactly that lead that I, I can leave a legacy. I can be a legend when I'm when I'm done. You know, I want to look back and be like, yo, I gave my body, my mind, my spirit. I devoted it all mm-hmm. to my life. It's expended. I'm done. See you fuckers on the other side. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's well said. It's about um, you know, we could sit here and we could dwell on death all day, but ultimately it comes down to um like what you just said, which is currency. The most valuable currency we as men and women obviously will ever have is not money, it's not coins, not dollars, it's time. And every second that passes is a second that you will never ever get back it's gone to the wind father time always wins like you say gone to the clock and what you can do with the time that you have now is use it for progression use it for action and using to leave your legacy behind as a man as a man i believe that your legacy is extremely important leave something behind that your children can be proud of leave something behind that your um grandchildren can look back and say wow like grandpapa davis uh you know really really you know when they're old you he used to fly blackhawks and you know he did all these missions and that stuff dude it's so important um we have about three minutes left i want to leave you with a final question because i think it inspires you and motivates you um just as much as anything else one of my biggest problems and we i i don't want to get too much into details with this obviously because it's personal One of my biggest problems or I I notice a lot of men are against marriage and having kids now. Is it fair to say that your marriage with your wife um, has propelled you more than some other things? Maybe your wife compliments you in the fact that she energizes you, motivates you and inspires you. Has your wife been a component in your life to get you to that next level? Yes. And yes but it, it's taken a lot a lot of work yeah yeah it is it is something that marriage is to be cherished mm-hmm. and you really have to have a special connection with your spouse because you feed off of each other yeah. and you are responsible for each other you're a team you mm-hmm. are working together at all times i understand you know, I always tell my single friends, I always tell them all the time, I'm like, dude, I would not want to be dating right now. Dude, no. Mm. It's, a, it's, fucking, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, it, it's, I mean, sex is just extremely easy to get. There's apps for everything, yeah. you know? Mm. Anytime you meet somebody, it's like artificial. Um, you have, you're able to hide behind screens and uh, you're not really getting, like when you're talking to somebody, you're not getting the full experience because you're behind a screen you can't read their body language you can't see if they're smiling i don't give a shit about emojis i'm talking about like real real stuff Mm -hmm. and i met my wife back in college like before before i think it was before like snapchat was even out yeah it probably was yeah and like now it's like uh no man like i am i am so blessed and so so Mm -hmm. thankful for everything that she does for for me for our kids, she is an awesome mother, dude. Like, mm-hmm. she's constantly fucking teaching them. She works her ass off. She makes sure that I'm good. I make sure that she's good. And it is just like, it's a back and forth. But marriage is a living, breathing thing. It takes work. It takes work. And you're going to mm-hmm. have, sometimes you're going to have those things that interrupt your marriage. And you're going to be like, you're going to have to sit down and like, 
try and be reasonable mm-hmm. and rational about things. And that's where sometimes it might get a little, a little sticky because, you know, men tend to be more rational than women. Yeah. And definitely. That's not, I mean, for anybody that's listening to this, I'm not speaking down upon women. I'm just saying that we have women, different minds. Yes. We have mm-hmm. different minds. Women tend to, to, to go with more feelings and emotions and mm-hmm. men are more like problem solvers, you know? Yep. And sometimes that can, that can deter things. But when you find that special person, when you find it, there's a connection and you're locked. You're like, I don't give a shit what stands in front of me, what stands mm-hmm. in front of us. This is going to work because like, you're the one for me. I'm one for you. And we're going to be awesome. We're going to be a power couple. We're going to make it yeah. happen. That's uh, I completely agree. That's well said. And then the reason why I asked is because I'm looking at what fuels you as a man and as a soldier. And a lot of the times, I don't know if you realize it or not, but you talk about to your talk about your wife and your kids and how they propelled you forward. And there's this common misconception in young man. And to a certain extent, the right marriage can be a very painful experience, you know, if you marry the wrong woman. But in my eyes, I look at, okay, there's a you know, one day I want to be married and I want a wife that complements my success and my progression. And I know that women, a good woman, especially the father of your or <laughs> father, the mother of your child, it's 2020, you never know now. Uh, the mother of your children can um, really help a man and inspire him more than anything. You said that when you were at one of your lowest points, which was, um, you know, working for Lyft, even if it was a, for a short amount of time, you knew that for the sake of your family and for your wife, you had to get to that next level. Whereas if you were a single man, the, the, uh, you know, the, what's the word, deliberacy, the urgency, urgency wasn't there because Mm -hmm. you didn't have anyone to depend on you. Um, But anyways, I honestly think that is a really good way to end the episode. We're at the hour mark. I want to ask you one list. One quick question is what is your next goal? Whether it's in just life in general or in the army or what is your next goal, your next 50 meter target? Cause I know you always got one at least to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. you, You definitely know. Um, I, I've been asked a lot lately. I've thought about it a lot lately and I definitely, I definitely want to start my own podcast. Yes. Um, I definitely, I started like, I, I did those breakfast of the brains on my Instagram. And I remember when I started those breakfast, of the brains, I didn't, I didn't know the impact it would have. Cause I, oh, would yeah. get, I would get people all the time like messaging me like, dude, I, you know, this is great insight. Like, thank you. Or, mm-hmm. Hey, this helped me a lot today. I was having a rough day, you know, thank you for doing this for me. And I'm like, Hey, you know, I don't even know them. And, um, I'm like, man, what if I could, you know, get this on a platform and be able to have it playable for everybody whenever. And really it's just finding the time. It's finding the yes. time, uh, you know, the equipment, um, obviously networking a little bit, which is good because obviously, you know, yourself, your good friend, you do this. Um, and it's like, okay, that's a person that I can talk to that has a lot of information, a lot of good information that I could use mm-hmm. when I want to try and, and uh, get mine off the ground. But that I would say right now, that's my 50-meter next 50 meter target, possibly a podcast. I think it's a good place to start. And then um, one thing I noticed for me too is that my podcast has actually acted like an online journal to help me articulate my thoughts and my goals. And then uh, you know, kind of just it grew out from there. But I think you definitely have potential for a podcast. I mean, look how easily this podcast, uh, yeah. the flow of it was just the dynamic was good. So I think you definitely have potential in it um, for that. And then when you get to that point, when you want to start podcasts, whether it's tomorrow or a year from now, just hit me up and then um, we'll get your podcast started. But I think that is just about it for this episode. Um, real quick, where can your audience reach you? So on Instagram at r1 davis um i will say if you want to follow me make sure like so real quick backstory there's a Mm -hmm. dude that steals my pictures and he makes fake accounts and he's taken screenshots so like i i report the account but doesn't matter because he has screenshots Uh so i'm really really sketched out with people who want to follow me now like i go on there and i'm like hmm you know i kind of scope them out i'm like uh if they're on if they're on private, it's super hard. I'm like, eh, you know, I'll give it some time. Mm-hmm. But if you're like a real live person, you want to follow me at R1 Davis, shoot me a message, shoot me a DM or whatever. And, um, you know, I'll, you know, I'll accept the follow. We can chop it up about whatever you need, whatever you want to know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it'd be an honor. Yeah. I think, um, a, ne- a good place 
to go to. So for the audience listening to this too, we, we didn't come in with a specific idea for this episode. Um, he's been a friend of mine for like coming up on two years now. So it's like just to catch up was good. I think another place that we could start off next time, the audience could tell me if they want to hear this, but I think we should do like a sergeant's time um, in the future and talk about how to succeed in the army, you know, tips. Obviously you've progressed through the ranks. So um, I think that's something we could do in the future. I'm, you know me, I'm always down, man. I love, I love conversing with you. I love mm -hmm. spreading knowledge with you and to other people. And I just, you know, I'm like you, man. I want to help yeah, exactly. everyone succeed and be happy. Let's do it. All right, man. I appreciate you coming on the podcast till next time. Thanks for having me, man.